0: What's up? It's fulfilling Life's Yearnings Radio, broadcasting live. Today's guest is Mary Phillips Carlson. Coming live from the Fly Studio in Commerce Township, it's the fulfilling Life's Yearnings Podcast! And I'm your host, Blake Giovanni Thomas-Soule. And if you're ready to be your best by writing the script of your life, to whatever you want it to be and taking action on your dreams then this is the podcast for you it's time to enter the fly zone hey what's up everybody it's the fly host you love the most and i'm back with another episode of fulfilling life's yearnings i'm so excited to be back here on the podcast because I have another special guest for you today and her name is Mary Phillips Carlson and it's interesting how I you know came across Mary there was this this platform that I was looking at that that had a bunch of cool people on there and I just started reaching out to folks and and Mary was one of those persons that I that I saw on levo or com, and it was like hmm let's reach out to her and and, and see if she would want to come on the podcast and and share her story. And she was gracious enough to do that even after a reschedule. So Mary, I just want to thank you for coming on today. and, And how are you doing today?
1: I am doing great. How are you today, Blake?
0: I am really fired up for some reason right now, even though it's kind of like mid mid afternoon evening and just ready to, to crush this episode and and get your story out there. So um just for starters, Mary, can you talk about you know who you are and and what your story is?
1: Sure. Um so I grew up in Pennsylvania in the Northeast and um really started my career in higher education at a small private liberal arts where I went to school Um, had a great four-year college experience and then as I was preparing to graduate decided that um, I was really passionate about the student experience and decided to continue my education uh, with a master's degree in higher education administration from a rather large regional university in the Midwest so I went from the Northeast to the Midwest stayed in the Midwest for the early part of my career I work for a women's uh, national women's sorority headquarters where I oversee all of the educational programming, um, leadership development, and member education for our 160,000 plus membership. Um, wow. So anything that our collegiate members experience through joining the organization, participating in the organization, and then once they graduate, <laughs> also providing opportunities for our um, alumni membership as well. So I really think about education and I think about um, learning and development all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but my undergraduate experience and my graduate experience really prepared me to think about how women learn and how um, how we provide this experience through sorority membership to allow our members to really become the best version of themselves. And prepare them for all that they would want to ever achieve once they graduate.
0: Now I love hearing that because that's very you know reminiscent of you know the the, the experience that I am on um, specifically since you started out as a at a liberal arts college. Uh, mm-hmm. I did too over over in Holland, Michigan. I went to Hope College, so I okay. so I know that that whole small yeah. liberal arts feel. Yeah. And, and then now going over to even to a bigger university. And then when you talk about, you know, higher education and 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 that really seemed to vibe with you while you were in college, what what was it specifically? And you mentioned a couple of things there, but that higher education, it was like, hmm, this is, I could see myself doing this and, and providing an impact in, in this field?
1: That's a great question. You know, one of the things that I loved about my undergraduate experience at that small private liberal arts school was there were so many opportunities afforded to the undergraduate students to take charge and create the experience that they wanted to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you find that at those smaller institutions, the students have a, uh, just have more say, more responsibility over things they're able to create and participate in. Um, And that was something that I really took advantage of as a student. Okay. I was also a music major in college. um, And so you'd think that a music major may not have time for a lot of those extracurricular right. activities. But really what I found was those extracurricular activities helped me balance my schedule in a way that really afforded me the opportunity to participate. So, um, between my sorority membership and membership in and in another, um, or a few other organizations and, and clubs, mm-hmm. um, I was really able to see, all that the collegiate experience could be. Okay. Um, and so I wanted to figure out how I could coach collegiate students in making the most of their time and not being afraid to take advantage of some of those things that um, they might not normally participate in.
0: <laughs> right. And that, and that's really good to hear. So it sounds like you were, you were that go-getter in and. And you had an open mind about about taking in as much as you could and realizing that, like you said, you were in the driver's seat and could kind of, you know, you know, write that story that that you wanted to happen. And then you wanted to start sharing that experience with other people. Absolutely. So Mm -hmm. so here you are. And you're saying that um you are the you're working with the the women's national sorority organization and and you're about helping you know women learn and how they learn and how to become better what what is it that in that role that you have taken away as far as uh one you know your continuing growth uh, for what you're trying to accomplish and then two what has been the impact on uh, on the women that you're working with
1: that is a great question um i think one of the things that i'm able to take away or that i've i have taken away with my own professional growth is really the importance of um understanding your personal values Mm -hmm. and how that connects to where you want to grow personally and professionally okay so for example Um, I, from a very young age, was taught to value learning. My parents instilled that in me. My teachers instilled that in me. And so all throughout my um, college and graduate programs, I sought extra learning opportunities. I took classes outside of my majors. I participated in, um, in, in organizations that were different from, you know, my primary interest areas, and I've been able to continue that as a professional by looking outside of my direct field Mm -hmm. to explore other professional development opportunities. I found that not always focusing on what higher education teaches me um, has helped me to think bigger and think broader, and it's changed how I approach my work. Mm. So Having that initiative or understanding that I know I value learning, so I'm going to look for different opportunities to get that instead of just the normal stuff that I know exists. I've looked at marketing and communications uh, publications, I've looked at graphic design publications and um, tutorials, and I'm starting to think in that more creative lens has helped me just approach developing learning opportunities better because I think about how people learn in a different way. Um, And the second part of your question was what have the membership kind of gotten out of my work? Was Mm -hmm. that right? Yep. Um, So when I assumed this position uh, almost four years ago now, Mm. um, it was, I, I'm the first staff member to ever hold this role. So I've been able to do a lot of kind of creating a, a new path for us as an organization and it's been very fulfilling in that I'm able to help our members see how to put the pieces together, if okay. that makes sense. Oh, yeah. So when we approach our learning opportunities, we are really thinking about a continuous arc from day one of their membership to the very last day of their membership. Okay. Um, we're thinking about topics and And conversations that we have in those very early stages when they're joining the organization, and how do we continue those once they're initiated, once they graduate, once they maybe begin serving as a volunteer or an advisor. Um, And so, because we're approaching things from a continuous lens, it's helping our members really understand that this is a lifelong opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when you talk to To students who are maybe part of a fraternity or sorority college, they get it. They get that it's a four-year, I'm in college for four years, I'm a member for four years. But they often forget about, it's a lifetime membership, it's a lifetime organization. So that's something that I think we've really been intentional about in how we've approached our uh, revitalization or updating of our experiences. And it's really helped us see an increase in women who talk about their experience in a different way.
0: Hmm. So when you talk about educating, can you Mm -hmm. go can you go in as far as um, talking about what are some of those educational uh, uh, proponents to to what you're talking about or even some of the events that you do that help to foster that education?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So we um, there are a couple of sort of um, keystone uh, learning experiences that we have. Um, So the first thing that a member goes through when she decides to join our organization, she goes through a 10-week new member experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Six of those weeks happen before she's initiated. And during those six weeks, she learns about the history of the organization. She learns about the values of the organization. She starts to explore her personal values and how they intersect with the organizational values. Um, We have a big conversation about morals and ethics. And what does that look like in sorority membership? What does that look like in your college experience as a whole? And what does morals and ethics look like in a professional lens? Um, We talk about leadership skills and leadership opportunities, and we really challenge those new members to look outside the organization as well and identify where future leadership opportunities might exist in their key interest areas. Mm. Um, Week. uh the seventh week is their initiation week and then there's three lessons following initiation and we really decided that it was important to continue that education post initiation to help them transition better from being a new member to being um, a fully initiated member of the organization. So that's something that we have really spent a lot of time on. Um, another of those sort of keystone leadership experiences, we host regional leadership conferences for our collegiate officers. So those women who are in charge of leading the chapter, making the change, making the plans, we bring them together at the very beginning of their officer term every January, and we give them a weekend full of leadership skill building. We teach them how to um, communicate with one another. We do a lot of team building. So at the end of the weekend, they walk away that collective group of about 12 women, um, confident in themselves, confident in one another and confident in the plans they're going to set and the goals they've set for the year coming. Um, that's a program that we just started about three years ago. And the collegiate leaders who've participated in that have really, indicated how um, confident they feel leaving that experience because somebody's taken the time to talk to them about here are the things that you really excel at and here's how it intersects with your responsibilities and here's how your teammates are going to help build you up throughout the course of the year. So that's something that we have really enjoyed providing to the membership.
0: That's incredible and so you've been here for four years now? Uh-huh and my question uh kind of like a a follow up to you know those awesome experiences you were sharing and and and- edu- educational programs that you put on for the new members even once mm-hmm. they're done is how did you get you know to to that position and I know you said it earlier from you know transitioning after doing higher education uh for a master's program but mm-hmm. what but what was it that that happened in your journey? that you somehow put together this plan to to get to uh, the position that you're in now?
1: That's a great question. So um, I've actually been with my organization for almost six years. Okay. The two years that I was there prior, or I was working um, prior to taking the role that I'm in now, mm-hmm. I worked um, specifically supporting our collegiate chapters in their recruitment efforts. So okay. bringing new members into the organization. And that was a fun job. I really enjoyed it. But I felt like it was very um, Mm one-dimensional. And I was only using one part of my brain, one part of my skill set. And I started to talk with some of my mentors and my peers about how I could um, expand my opportunities for strategic thinking um, for some project management and long range planning. Um, and for the opportunity to be creative um, in my work, you know, as a music major, I've been creative. Uh, and as a musician, I was, cre- I, you know, creative starting from, you know, about eight years old. right. And so <laughs> um, that opportunity for creativity and thinking big was kind of missing from my role. So mm-hmm. I had a great conversation with mentors, I had a great conversation with my supervisor and shared with her what my um you know some of the things that I thought were missing from my job and it was in that honest and transparent conversation that she shared with me um you know this opportunity that could potentially come up for the role that I'm in serving in now. So I think it was that opportunity um that i had to recognize that the role i was in had been a good fit but was maybe no longer a good fit
2: okay
1: and combined with um knowing who my trusted like my trust circle was
2: right um
1: who could i talk to who would give me sound advice who would not share that information if I, you know, asked them not to. Mm-hmm. And then looping my supervisor in at an early stage um, really showed her that I valued the environment that I worked in. Um, I valued the organization and I really wanted to find a way to continue giving back and serving the organization but it, I just wanted it to look a little different.
0: Got it. So that to me is very, very fascinating because, because at this point in your career, wh- when, when you started working with the organization, it, mm-hmm. it seems that you, so you felt confident enough to be able to, to go talk to someone else in, in the organization that you were with to possibly expand your role. And you mentioned having that trust and someone that was there. What, What was it that, because if there's someone listening who is thinking about maybe they want to expand their role to how how did you get that conversation started or who do you know who to begin it with?
1: Mm, That's a great question. So one of the things that um, I feel like I've been really successful at as a professional is being um, true to who I am as an individual. Okay. So... From, a, from early on, um, my parents instilled in me a set of values. I feel like all of our parents instill in us a set of values, right? Mm-hmm. And your values are shaped by your college experiences. Um, my values were shaped by my graduate school experience. My values were shaped by my membership in my sorority. And so by the time I got to be a career woman, I had a pretty good sense of who I was, values-wise. Okay. Um, I also, my mom raised me to always advocate for myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that she used to say to me was, nobody is going to give you something if you don't ask for it first. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's really resonated with me as a child, as a young woman, and now as somebody who um, will turn 30 in gosh, 11 days, <laughs> um, it still is resonating with me. And that is something that that I really took to heart as I was thinking about having that conversation. So uh, before I had the conversation with my supervisor, I reached out to a past mentor, a past supervisor of mine from graduate school. Mm-hmm. Um, it was somebody who I had a really great relationship with. We had a good rapport. There was that honesty and that trust there. And it was something I talked about him with first and he really coached me on how to approach that conversation with a supervisor. So I think that's something that if somebody out there is thinking about, you want to expand your role or you're not sure if this is a good fit for you anymore, figure out who is that person you can go to that you can, you trust what they're going to say, you know that you can be open and honest with them and set up some time for a phone call. Um, and then once you have that conversation with that trust, that mentor, um, think about how you phrase it with a supervisor. I think there's always something a little bit scary about mm-hmm. going and talking to your supervisor about something you're maybe, um, you know, unhappy with or unsure about. But if you are in an environment where, um, there's trust and, there's um, you know, a, a care for your well-being. I think your supervisor is always going to react in a positive way. Um, you may not get the answer you want, mm-hmm. but at least you can say, Hey, I asked and um they have heard what it was I wanted to say.
0: Absolutely. So that kind of goes in and you brought up some of your favorite topics in that answer too with sure. uh, with the uh Setting up that goal, so that was a goal of yours that you wanted to do, and you reached out to someone that you trusted, and mm-hmm. and I'm sure you established what those personal values were um, with with that mentor that you reached back out to, and then you said that you you know advocated for yourself, and like you said, we all have these these goals, but what but what was the strategy? Since you're the strategic <laughs> thinker, <laughs> yeah. what was the strategy that you were using for you know, setting up your goals? Because I know people sometimes say, you know, I got my, my one-year, five-year, 10-year. Is that, is that kind of how you were working your way through that process?
1: Um, you know, as, as a younger professional, yes. Mm-hmm. I think um, I very much had a, you know, two to three-year goal, two-year mm-hmm. three plan. Um, I knew that I wanted to spend two years in the role that I started in. And then, um, it, it, I, I knew I was probably going to want to find something if not after the second year, after the third year. And I really thought a lot about, um, what, what a role was going to do to, um, I really thought about how a role was going to help me expand the skill set I already had. Okay. So that's something that is really important to me. I don't want to get into a role that isn't going to help me grow my skill set or my knowledge base in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: and so I think that's really something that I had in the back of my mind when I had that conversation. I also had identified it was a need for the organization. So we didn't really have anybody serving professionally in the role um it wasn't something that we um like we didn't have a core staff or strategic plan in that in that respect so oh, interesting. i yeah. identified it was a need for the organization plus it was something that was going to help me grow my skill set grow my knowledge base and so th- those were kind of the driving factors behind that conversation um you know now 4 years into that role I don't know what I want to do next. Mm -hmm. And that's something (laughs) that I'm kind of wrestling with. Um, you know, I think you spend two, three, four years in a in a job and you start to get those questions about well, what are you gonna do next? And what's your next step? And do you wanna stay here? Do you wanna go try this different type of job? And I have no idea. Mm. Um, I think it's it's something that I still feel like I'm learning. I still feel like I'm contributing. And I still feel like there's a difference that needs to be made in my current role. And to me, that means I don't know if I need to look for anything else right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but the minute I feel like I'm not making a difference or I'm not learning anything or growing in any way, that's probably when it's I'm going to realize it's time to think about something new.
0: Hmm. Interesting. And so you talk about, you know, those personal values and, and how, how does that currently or concurrently uh, match up with what, what you were looking for originally um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, for the position that you were in? What were those like those top three things that you were hoping that would link up with your own uh, established personal values?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. Um, so top three personal values um, that really connect to my job. Um, I've mentioned that I love to learn and mm-hmm. that learning is really important to me. Um, and that is something that, especially in the area of learning and um, content development, there are always new methods to teach somebody how to learn something. Right. Um, there's always changing technologies. So I feel like I'm definitely able to learn how to deliver education better um, the longer that I stay in this role. Another value that I have really connected to working for the organization that I work for um, is the the idea of personal growth.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, so, some people might say personal growth and learning they're kind of the same thing. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, <laughs> so, to me, personal growth is really about building myself outside of my job okay so learning I'm connecting right back to um, what am I learning that's going to help me be a better professional but personal growth I'm connecting to how is this making me a better human Mm -hmm. how is this making me a better person Um, and I'll say one of the things that I've really taken away from my time at this organization um, has been the ability to mentor those who are new Um, I think that's something that as a a person who's been with the organization for almost six years it's really taught me how to supervise and to mentor those younger people who are coming in Um, before I started in this job I had no supervision experience and now I supervise two staff members and um, sometimes I feel like (laughs) I learn more from those <laughs> conversations than anything else in a given week because it makes me think about how I interact and I talk to people. Um, and I think the third value area would have to be um, this value of loyalty that I have. Okay. Um, loyalty is also one of my organization's values, so that you know <laughs> connects really nicely. But I think loyalty is important because, um, it, loyalty has helped me really identify who are those people that I want to be around and I want to stick around in my life. Um, and I have met, you know, some of my best friends through my sorority membership and, and that's my professional career. Um, and knowing that I have this strong value of loyalty helps me, um, just think about how how I develop learning opportunities for our members because I want them to have those continuing relationships I want them to find that value as well um, so I think those would probably be my top three learning personal growth and loyalty
0: oh that was very fascinating to hear especially when you're able to make those connections and I'm sure you know that that was very important when when you were you know, advocating for yourself and yeah. and so if you're able to advocate for yourself in the way that you are, is this because you are uh constantly, you know, writing and, and, and thinking about the the skill sets that you bring to the table and then always, you know, writing down those those positive things that you have done throughout your life?
1: Um Yeah, I guess so. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't necessarily do a ton of journaling, but I do a lot of, um, I'm a big solo reflector. So Mm. I really value that time that I have um, in my workday or during my weekend or, you know, during my evening to just kind of sit and reflect about what did I do during the course of the day? And is there something I could have done differently or could have done better? Um, And then what I take from that reflection time I often um kind of funnel into my um (laughs) into either you know if it's professionally related I'll funnel it into notes that I have for an upcoming meeting or Mm -hmm. thought processes for how I'm going to approach a new project Um, if it's personal related that's something I'm funneling definitely into my blog Mm -hmm. you know I'm I want to share um with people who read it thing things that I've experienced and and how, you know, maybe I would go about it differently or um I would maybe think about something in a different way.
0: So I'm glad you brought that up because that was my next transition. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a blog. You I do. You Me Serendipity. What
1: yeah
0: I, what is that blog and 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 how did it come about?
1: That's a great question. So um, I launched Jimmy Serendipity at the end of January, so okay. two you know two months old <laughs> um but it's it's something that has been kind of sitting on my heart and sitting on my head for for almost gosh almost two years before I launched it um when i when I met my now husband um he recognized in me this ability to kind of coach people and share. Um, opportunities for growth through my writing and through my words, and he was the one who really encouraged me to think about starting a blog. Yumi Serendipity is not my first blog. I had a different blog when I was living in Indianapolis that um, was really just like a an opportunity for me to share living in Indy with the people back east.
2: Okay, it was, it was right. not
1: really anything uh, more than here's what I did today, mom, and here's <laughs> the great restaurant I went to. Um, so. Give me serendipity is definitely different than that. It's, it's my space uh, that I'm really diving into some of those topics that I think women especially wrestle with. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: the very first post um, is about subjective perfection. Mm. Um, and that's something, you know, you hear subjective perfection. What does that mean? Well, it's really about identifying what your personal version of perfect is.
2: Okay. Um,
1: I think as women, as a sorority woman... I know what it's like to compare myself to other people in the room. Um, I know what it's like to compare myself and feel less than or feel like I'm not good enough. And I hit this point probably a year or so ago, uh, a year and a half ago, maybe. And I just kind of said, enough is enough.
2: Right.
1: Stop comparing yourself to the Instagram feeds and the Facebook posts and, um, you know, the Twitter posts. Stop comparing and you, me, serendipity is really my chance to explore what my version of perfect is and to hopefully help other women, um, explore that and identify for themselves as well.
0: Uh, I love hearing that. So two things, I'll ask the first one first. Uh, sure. how, what, in the deals of perfection and what, what was it that, um, that you needed uh, perfection for uh, in your own personal life? What was it that you were looking at others and saying, well, uh, geez, I should be more like that person or whatever?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's, uh, those struggles with perfect have almost always centered around body image mm-hmm. Um you know, I am not the slimmest person in the room most of the time. Um, and so that's something that really I have struggled with is, you know, my size and comparing that to other women. And, um, it was a, when I started, when I met my husband and started dating, dating him, Mm -hmm. I couldn't, like, I didn't know how to, I didn't know what to say, or I didn't know how to accept the compliments he would give or, you know, when he would say something like, you've got a really great outfit on or you look beautiful today. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do with those comments because okay. I didn't ever think that about myself. And I think that's an area that, um, I haven't explored it yet on, on you, me serendipity. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's because I have a lot of thoughts about it and I want to mm-hmm. make sure that what I do share, um, is thoughtfully written and, it provides a safe space for other women to kind of own up what they're struggling with,
0: right? And then the follow up with that one because thank you for sharing that too. Yeah, is what or more, more, more actually? How does someone? Because you say you know we got to stop comparing ourselves and 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 living that 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 ideal you know, whatever someone else says we should look like, how do you stop doing that? Where Where did it begin for you?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things that I have uh, committed to for the year 2016 is to limit the amount of social media time I spend on my phone. Okay. Um, and I think already in the, you know, almost three months that have gone by in this year, by just saying to myself, you know, during my lunch break or at the end of my work day, when normally I'd grab my phone and open up Instagram and just kind of flip through, um, flip through the posts. I'm not doing that. I'm making a conscious decision to not do that because doing so I get stuck in this cycle of wishing I had something or wishing I looked like something or or Wishing I could travel to this extravagant place that somebody's posted about. And I spend more time wishing about what I don't have instead of appreciating what I do have. And that small change so far this year, um, I have started to notice that my thought patterns are different. And so when I do open up Instagram, I'm not, um, you know, (laughs) I'm not wishing I had something else. I'm, Thinking about what I can share that meant a lot to me that I experienced or um that I think others would appreciate. So I'm I'm flipping my thought patterns just by you know interacting less with social media in some ways.
0: Interesting. And then I don't know if you said it already, but I'll ask it again because I think it would be. That's okay. It's a, i think it was a important part of what you were just saying is now that you are you know. And I'm even the same way with the social media thing. I've been off of it for a couple of days and I feel great. And, yeah. <laughs> and um and you talk about that personal version of perfection. Um mm-hmm. what what is it now that you've discovered because I saw you are still formulating but what mm-hmm. are some of the things now that, that are part of your own personal version?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um I think where, where I have landed or where I'm continuing to think about in terms of my personal version of perfection, um, it's being okay with, um, wearing my glasses more days in the week than my contacts.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, it's being okay with the fact that, um, my husband and I live in a two bedroom apartment instead of a house that I, we own. Um, you know, I'm in that season of my life where my friends are pregnant or they have babies or they're buying houses. And for a while I really struggled with that. I felt like I was losing the race. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's reframing my, my thought pattern and it's being okay with what I have. Um, it's being okay with where I live. It's being okay with, um the things that my husband and I choose to do. Um and so it's it's something that's it's kind of ever changing. It's always evolving. Um, but I'm I'm thinking about what are the things that I used to wish I wanted. Right. And what's the equivalent that I have that maybe is better than what I wish I had.
0: Mm. You know, hearing hearing you say that, because right now I'm I'm 24. Uh, I'm turning 25 on, on April 13th. And, okay. And and hearing you say, you know, you're reframing, you know, your thoughts about, about where you're at in your life and, and, and that rat race. Cause I think I, I, yeah. sta- I, I really started feeling it like majorly being 24 and I'm, you know, in yeah. school pursuing these other things. And then I'm seeing everyone else doing, you know, X, Y, and Z and, and I guess moving on and a perceived uh, whatever society says we're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. at this particular time. So it was thank you for saying what you said, because that was very yeah. inspiring for me to hear and then even thinking about, you know, where I'm at. So I, I think that's awesome that that you're able to do that and you're sharing that uh, on your blog, because I think more people need to, you know, need to hear that, that y- you can be comfortable uh and satisfied or even grateful with where you are in your life and not have to constantly compare yourself to like you said what your best friends are doing like if they're getting yeah. married you know having kids living in a home and 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 being okay with what what you have and appreciating it so i thought that was yeah. very awesome that you were sharing that and um gosh that one that one really hit me so
2: <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad.
0: <laughs> and and just to, you know, kind of kind of wrap up here and I've enjoyed, you know, listening to what you were saying. Uh, one of the the big things that I always like to ask on the show is, you know, fulfilling life's yearnings, you know, what it means to you. That was the reason why I wanted to have you on, because you seem like someone who was, you know, going out there and and pursuing life and, and and taking the directions that you wanted to go in. And even after hearing you talk, that has reaffirmed my my thoughts of why I wanted to have you on. What what would be, you know, your definition of you know fulfilling life's yearnings? Yeah,
1: you know, I think it's um for me, fulfilling fulfilling life's yearnings is really about being comfortable with where I am right now, mm-hmm. and not wasting time um, wishing that I had a different job or I had a baby or I had a house. Um, it's about recognizing that those things may come, and I can work my hardest to make sure they do if that's what I want, but I shouldn't spend my time wishing, wishing the time away that I have now. Um, I think the other piece that I really, really think about when it comes to fulfilling what I want for my life, it's setting up, um, setting myself up for success, by not saying no to something that might push me outside of my comfort zone. Mm. So a great example, Blake, is when you sent me the message inviting me to be a part of the podcast today. This is the first interview type podcast thing I've ever done. You were awesome. And it was <laughs> it was kind of like a scary. Gosh, do I put myself out there in this way? Do I um, take this this chance for something new? And in order to, um, become more confident in myself and share what I'm passionate about with others, the answer has to be yes. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's something too, that I, I really have, have paid attention to, especially in the last couple of years. Um, what are the things that would push me outside of my comfort zone that are inevitably going to teach me something extremely valuable that's going to push me closer to a goal I want to achieve?
0: That's incredible, I love that definition, and I'm so excited to hear that this was your first one because I thought yeah. you did you know a fantastic job you know the'cause I can tell you 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 think about things and and they really came out in in your answers, and I know that the people listening in will, gosh, I was writing those throughout this show and taking and <laughs> and taking away things that you were saying just because they were they're so meaningful and poignant. So, so thank you for that. And, and where can we, you know, find your work? Where, where's your blog at?
1: Yeah. So, um, the web address is you, me, serendipity.com. Um, and you can find me on Instagram. Um, what's my Instagram name? Oh gosh. <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, let me look. I actually don't know. This is how often I'm not on Instagram anymore. <laughs> I don't even remember what my own name is. <laughs> um, but you can find me. On, yeah, yumi dot dot com. Excuse me, and then Mary A um, P Eleven. I'm on Instagram, and then uh, the blog has links to my other social media channels as well.
0: Awesome. So that was Mary. Phillips Carlson thank you so much for for joining me on here again I can't say enough how how grateful I am to that you were able to come on and, and and share your experience with us and I do look forward to being able to connect with you more in the future as as we both progress into our you know own professional careers and just keeping keeping the the, the listeners you know up to date about where you're going to be next, because I think it's so fascinating to show that transition from the first episode to to where you are at later on.
1: That sounds great. I look forward to it, Blake.
0: Awesome. So again, Blake Sway here, Mary Phillips Carlson. Thanks for listening in to the podcast. And as always, go out there and be fly.